Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome in, folks, here on Big Blue Views audio lineup and also on our YouTube channel. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum and Nick Filato. And today we're going to be doing something that seemingly has become a tradition over the past few years, which is reevaluating the state of the Giants after just three to four weeks. Giants currently own three after two losses, sorry, three losses in their first three games and then two close ones on last second field goals to the Atlanta Falcons and the Washington football team. And obviously, any time that a team is 0-3, which there aren't that many right now, it's been three weeks, there's been enough time for teams to separate themselves. When your team that you're covering is 0-3, you have to look in the mirror and reevaluate what some of those issues are. And we're going to unpack some of those things today on this episode. But guys, I want to start this discussion with something that I feel like Giants fans are incredibly split on, which is the performance of Daniel Jones after these first three weeks. You talk to one fan, they tell you Daniel Jones is the worst. They need to move on from him. They need to replace him. You talk to another fan and they say that he has done nothing wrong and he deserves uh, you know, as many opportunities as he can get. So I want to start there. Where do you guys sit on the, the the situation with Daniel Jones? Do you think that that he has been performing up to the level of um, it's not necessarily his fault, or is should we be concerned? If you would have told me, Chris and Joe, at the beginning of the season that the Giants were zero and three, I would have thought that Daniel Jones has sucked, and that it's a lot of it is on him. And I don't believe that's the case at all. To be honest, I believe it's a confluence of things. I think it's head coaching. I think it's coordinating. I think Daniel Jones has made some ill-advised throws that haven't been intercepted quite yet. But overall, Daniel Jones is playing well, and they still can't win football games. And I say that knowing full well, Chris and Joe, and listeners, the Giants scored 14 points yesterday. A team that gave up an average of 40 points over the first two games, they scored 14. Yet still, Daniel Jones, I haven't seen the All-22 yet, but Daniel Jones didn't look terrible. It's just this entire team. It's an absolute mess right now. And it's it's so damn unfortunate that the Giants may have to blow all this up at the end of the season, which sucks, which means Daniel Jones is going to be gone. Daniel Jones showing strides, but I don't believe Daniel Jones will ever be that Josh Allen, Justin Herbert type of prospect. He doesn't have that kind of upside. I think he can be a fine NFL quarterback, but if all this gets blown up at the end of the season, which the Giants are trending in that direction, He's not going to be retained once Dave Gettleman is not here. Who knows what's going to happen with Joe Judge if the wheels continue to fall off? This is a breaking point right now for the New York Giants, a new low, which I feel like they hit every single year. <laughs> very, very unfortunate. Yeah, that, that's kind of why I, why we're doing it this way instead of uh, our usual uh, Monday morning film breakdown. 
Yeah. But also, we just couldn't bear to watch that game again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we do have to stop and take stock of where the team is. I don't think anyone really saw an 0-3. It, it was possible. But, you know, losing to Washington, losing to Atlanta. Yeah, I was prepared for a, a, an opening week loss against Denver. I thought people were sleeping on them. But, you know, going 0-3 instead of 1-2 and or even 2-1, and that makes you stop and have to take pause. And, you know, I'm with you, Nick. I think... I don't think Daniel Jones has been the problem. I, yeah, you know, I, I made note of it last night on our stream after the game. Yeah, like you said, he has made some ill-advised throws. He's had a few throws in every game that probably yeah. should have been picked off. I've counted two in each game where the ball has just bounced off defenders' hands. And before the we started streaming, he we talked about when Jones was uh, he first got on the field and that game against Tampa Bay where he played really well. And then things just kind of slid downhill the rest of the season. And I was thinking about this this morning. I'm actually noticing some similarities to that year in that Jones plays well, but he's also playing with fire with the placement of his pit with the placement of his passes where right now it is more just, luck of defenders not quite being in the right right place or having the ball bounce off their hands or things like that that have kept the interceptions down i'm afraid that eventually things are going to turn on them and that luck will reverse but overall he has not been the problem it's the giants as a whole that have been the problem and like you said that if this skid continues if they lose in new orleans which you know the saints have you know, they they shocked everybody week one. Good Jameis showed up. Bad Jameis showed up in week two. Good Jameis was back again against the Patriots. Now the Saints finally get their home opener after, you know, that nightmare that was Hurricane Ida. And the Giants are going to be there for that. 0-3. You know, will they be 0-4 after that? And then they get the Rams. <laughs> It's, those are not two good circumstances that you want to be running into when you're just trying to figure out your footing. And it sucks. I was talking to somebody earlier a couple hours ago who's a Giants fan. And you know, the one thing that I said is like the, they're 0-3 after what was probably the easiest stretch right now of the season until they get to the later half. And they needed to regain some footing. But Nick, you brought up a really good point. And something that I brought up on the, the postgame stream is that Daniel Jones is never going to be Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes where if he's in a difficult spot, he can make some magical play. You can also you know, put in Josh Allen, like you mentioned, in, in, or Justin Herbert's another really good one who's starting, starting to show signs of that. He is more of a Ryan Tannehill. He's more of a guy that if things are going well, he can perform well and he can get the job done. But we're seeing right now, he is yet again being asked to do everything. And based on the fact that he is basically the only form of uh, offensive production right now. There's nobody that's really outstanding at receiver. We just lost Sterling Shepard to injury. Saquon Barkley has yet to really explode, and the offensive line has not really done their job in creating good rushing lanes to have an effective running game. So, of course, Daniel Jones isn't going to, to, to put up 350 with multiple touchdowns where he's literally doing everything based on the circumstance. I, I think he's done pretty good. And if you can just 
figure out the freaking offensive line and establish some type of a run game. I'm, I almost wonder what how much better Daniel Jones could be and how much better this offense could be, but that the run game has just been so stagnant, it's killing everything. So stagnant. And the Giants spent the second overall pick on Saquon Barkley. He's dealt with a lot of adversity in his young career. And I think we can all agree we like Saquon Barkley, the person. We like Saquon Barkley, the player. But spending the second overall pick, it's a dubious move. It's a questionable move. And Saquon Barkley, he's just not the type of running back that the Giants need. He's not that Nick Chubb. He's not that Dalvin Cook. He's a home run hitter. He's more of a Chris Johnson. He's going to hit a hole and then he can outrun everybody and out-athlete everybody, even at the NFL level. That's how good of an athlete he is. But his vision, his decision-making, he misses holes. That's not the way that you're going to establish a consistent offense and get you know four yards a carry, five yards a carry. That's not Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is going to lose a yard, lose two yards, gain a yard, and then hit a 45-yard run. That's who Saquon Barkley is, and that's not going to sustain an offense that's going to to be consistent and efficient, and that's not what the Giants' offense is, especially with Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator calling curls at the sticks and Y-stick option and just very what 2005 type of play calling and, and not necessarily <laughs> innovating. And I'll even give this to Jason Garrett. He has some creative plays, I feel like, at times, especially in the Washington game. And even in this game, the throwback to Kadarius Tony, that was an interesting play. You knew he was going to implement that because Florida and Dan Mullen ran that when Kadarius Tony was a senior down there. But at the end of the day, the philosophy of Jason Garrett is just, just seems like we're going to take shots on first down. Then we're going to run on second down. We're not going to gain any yards because we can't run the football. And then it's going to be third and long. Good luck, Daniel Jones seems like it's more like that when they're going to take shots. Other than that, it's we're going to call three plays to get 10 yards. And they're not really a good enough football team to pick up those 10 yards consistently. Sadly, that's because of the offensive line. That's because of the play calling. It's because of a lot of things. They shoot themselves in the foot. How many times uh, just in last game did they shoot themselves in the foot with a holding penalty or a false start when they're driving down the field? Billy Price snapping the uh, snap high and Daniel Jones can't handle it, knocking them out of field goal range almost. Like these types of plays are drive killers, and the Giants just attract it so much. And they've done that through the first three games, unfortunately. I hope it changes, but bad teams make bad mistakes, and the Giants are a bad football team right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's concerning to me. Like we understand they have injuries on the offensive line. They lost Nick Gates, they lost Shane Lemieux. Yeah. I don't think they really wanted to be playing Ben Bredesen and Billy Price in week three. <laughs> I think they kind of hoped they never saw those guys. But, yeah, that's where they are. And right now, teams are stopping the Giants' run game with neutral to light boxes. Saquon Barkley has seen three heavy boxes all season long. And he's averaging less than three and a half yards per carry. And that's with the 4.4-ish, I think, against Washington. He saw one run against a heavy box. And I think that was his touchdown run where he went over top of every, everybody. Other than that, he was averaging 3.2 yards a carry. Yeah, they're not opening holes. And like you said, they're they are just committing stupid penalties at the worst time. Uh holding penalties, guys missing blocks, Will Hernandez trying to block somebody 20 yards downfield on a screenplay. Chris, can, I, 
Can I bring something up about Will Hernandez? Because I've noticed sure. this now, just in this season, and I've noticed it in prior seasons watching the film, but I just feel like Will Hernandez on these screens, these screens that can be so valuable to your offense to spring big plays and make the defense pay when they want to bring the blitz. And we know defenses love to bring the blitz against Daniel Jones. But Will Hernandez is terrible at being over-aggressive on the screen. Yes. I've seen this several times on film when he tries to – he holds his block just a little bit and then he kicks out because he's boxy. He's slow. He doesn't have quick feet, so he always tries to cheat. and He gets upfield and becomes an ineligible receiver before the screen actually materializes. That's the problem Will Hernandez has that I've noticed in the past and it bit the Giants yesterday. It could have been a big play crossing midfield. Instead, the Giants – I mean, they ended up picking up a first down eventually anyways on that drive. But still, when you, when you well, that's the first play of a drive. When you spring a first play like that, it can really get the ball rolling, the momentum going, and that could lead to a touchdown. And the Giants just shoot themselves in the foot again. And Will Hernandez yeah. just needs to be more disciplined and utilize better timing to get down there and execute that block rather than being over-aggressive and putting the Giants in a position to take a stupid penalty. Yeah, and – Hernandez's aggression was one of his selling points as a draft prospect where, yeah, he was coming off a terrible UTEP team, but he was the guy who he was always mixing. He was always looking to put defenders on the ground. But like you said, you need discipline and discipline has been a problem for this team really in all phases of the game on all three sides of the of the ball. And that's another problem I kind of noticed going back to preseason where They'd have guys in position and then they'd miss a tackle or they wouldn't hold their blocks long enough or they would miss a block or there'd be a coverage breakdown or there'd always be something. And it would basically come down to somebody not doing their job. So I, I want to uh, just, uh, you know, go a step further here where we've, we, we've kind of pinpointed, I think, what are, are, are the major problems with this, with this Giants team right now. So we've, uh, we've seen the defense play fantastically. They just lost Blake Martinez for the season with with the the torn ACL, which is just absolutely horrible to see. Um, but regardless, I mean, defensively, the the points that they've let up, except for the that long touchdown they give against the Broncos, they've played very very well thus far. Not necessarily perfectly, but we know defensively this team is good, and Patrick Graham is a great defensive coordinator. I, I think that if if we were to simplify what has been the issue and we've basically hit on all of it here is that one, they need a new offensive play caller. I don't think Jason Garrett needs, it should be the guy going forward. We've given him enough time to figure it out. And three weeks into, uh, in, into 2021, the lack of production, especially against a horrible defense last week is it's just terrible. It's, it's absolutely terrible. And they need to find somebody innovative and young that is going to bring in a, a new style and approach to this offense instead of running antiquated things that are overall not very creative at all. But the other thing as well is just uh, we can keep things simple here and say that the interior offensive line needs to be resolved at some point. They might not get Nick, ba Nick Gates back for good because of the severity of his injury. And I still stand by the fact that with those two first-round picks that the Giants are going to be having, which will likely be high draft picks, and it helps them that this year's draft class has a very good interior class, they need to draft Tyler Lindenbaum or Jarrett Patterson as a center, and they need to draft Kenyon Green or Darian Kendrick as a guard, and they need to move on from there. They shouldn't draft any other positions in my, in my eyes. So that's saying that you're, you're, rolling, you're rolling with Daniel Jones forward, Joe. 
I, I guess I, I I feel like you start from scratch and then we're another three years out from being competitive. The guy's doing a good enough job. Just they need to resolve what's not working around him. Like you draft another quarterback. Okay. The interior offensive line still sucks. And then we start the cycle over again. I can we understand into the Jets. Yeah, I can understand that. But the the one thing that, that gets tricky is if you value one of these quarterbacks coming out of Spencer Rattler or somebody as a as a more profound type of prospect than Daniel Jones was coming out, you would go in the quarterback direction. And the money is something we definitely have to consider because the Giants are going to have to end up paying Daniel Jones, whether people like it or not. I mean, you get to choose his fifth year option and then he's under contract. Even if you don't for another year, if you choose a fifth year option, he's on an under contract for another year. You can use the franchise tag, but the Giants don't seem like the type of team that's going to pull a Washington football team and just franchise Kirk Cousins two years in a row. So I think it's going to get tricky. And then you have to also answer the question, what are the Giants going to do about Saquon Barkley? I mean, you picked up his fifth year option, but are you going to sign him? I mean, John Mara was under the impression when they selected him, this guy was going to be a giant for life, but I know from, I could speak for myself as much as I like Saquon Barkley, the player, there's no chance I want the Giants to allocate like 18% of their cap or whatever it would be into a running back to reset that market. Like that would, that's not a way to build a football roster. The Giants don't even have a winning roster as is. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, and honestly, just on Saquon Barkley, before I spin back to Daniel Jones for a second, second contracts really don't work out for running backs. Uh, Jason Fitzgerald over at Over the Cap did a study on this recently, and basically the trend line is clear. Uh, if you pay a running back, you are paying for past performance. It, just about every big big name running back, except for uh, Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, has lost production going into his second contract years. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, obviously, he had the knee injury. Uh, Devonta Freeman, we saw what happened with him. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, he that first year he missed with a significant leg injury. Now he's in the, you know, he is injured again and he has basically done nothing since signing that big contract. Yeah. I, Joe and I were talking about this after our stream yesterday and yeah. How long do we expect Saquon Barkley to be healthy? Realistically, how long do we expect him to be healthy and productive after an ACL last year, 
a bad high ankle sprain the year before. Yeah. You know, will these lower body injuries just start adding up? And as he gets to his, you know, 26, 28 year uh, in the league, starts to, will he get to 30? You know, running backs have a short shelf life. And, you know, do we want to see the Giants pay him potentially $20 million a year to decline? I mean, had the uh, Rams contract end up working out for less need <laughs> with Todd exactly. Gurley, I mean, Todd Gurley didn't even play a snap on that con. How crazy is that? They gave Todd Gurley that contract, yeah. and he didn't even play a snap. And they ate, like, what? Some ridiculous amount of dead money to just get rid of him. You don't pay running backs early. You just don't. It's not That's not the way to build a winning roster. If you want to retain him, pay him when he's ready to be retained. But I wouldn't even advise that personally. So you look back at that second overall pick, man, and it just – I don't know, man. I mean, there's still football to be played, but it's, uh, it's not great right now. It's not great. And- so I think we're kind of getting to the point is, do the Giants blow it all up? Do you consider trading Saquon Barkley to get something for him before you have to make that decision of, do, basically, do we give him that leverage to arm wrestle us into paying the face of our franchise, a potentially 20 plus million dollars a year? I don't even know if he's in a position to do that either. Like, is he in a position to arm wrestle the Giants right now? I mean, he may, but like, I don't know. Like, it's a, the entire situation, we're going off the rails right now talking about Barkley, but the entire situation. Well, I don't think it's not necessarily off the rails because it's an important part of the, you know, it's an important piece of the conversation. You know, it's, it's weighing them down potentially. It is, man. It is. It's, uh, I, I just, I'm taking this one game at a time right now because I, this is rough, man. I mean, the Giants have what? The Panthers, the Saints, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the the, the Bucks after a bye week. They have a lot of teams. Dallas, they have a lot of teams that are, are tough coming up. The Giants could realistically start 0-8 right now, which is horrendous. And if that happens, who survives this season? Somebody's going to be a fall guy. And if it's not the head coach, which I don't expect it to be right away, it's definitely going to be Jason Garrett. So what's going to change when Freddie Kitchens takes over? Because they're not going to bring in a new offensive <laughs> coordinator to reinstall another offense. It's going to be Freddie Kitchens calling the plays. So I mean, this is a game by game basis right now. But just what a what an abject disaster to start the season to go zero and three. They should have beat Washington. They did everything in their power to lose against Washington. And Atlanta was a very winnable football game, a very yes. winnable football game. And they outperformed Atlanta as well. They did. But at the same time, we say that, and then you're like, but you put up 14 freaking points. You didn't deserve to win the game. Right. The defense, the defense they, they played well. They forced, I think, out of the first like eight drives, they forced seven punts. Or out of the first nine drives, they forced seven punts, and they had a turnover. So you look at that and you're like, okay, that's good. But then when it mattered most, what'd they do? They floundered. They allowed a 15-play yeah. drive, allowed it to drive right down your throat. And then when they had a chance to get uh, to not allow them in the field goal range, what happened? A 28-yard backside screen pass to Cordero Patterson and then about a 20-yard pass to Kyle Pitts on a seven route where Jabril Peppers had inside leverage significantly and there was no outside help. So they crumbled when it mattered most. It's just – like I said earlier, man, these, these these bad football teams put themselves into bad situations, and sadly, that's where we are right now. And I think they're much better. And I want to get your guys' take on this. I think they're better on paper. I think they have better personnel than what they're than what they're showing right now. So, what does that point to? 
Well, that's a right. That's a hundred percent on the on the coaching because if you look at the the roster that they put together throughout the offseason, the offense that they have, there, there's really only one the one glaring hole that I, we've brought up the whole show today, which is the interior offensive line. The receiving group is very very talented. It, it might be on par, maybe with the, you know the second best in the NFC East behind the Dallas Cowboys. They're not close to the Cowboys with what they have, but on paper that should be a highly productive group with. Two very talented receivers in Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton has that capability to make big plays. And then Kadarius Toney, there's no reason why he shouldn't be being actively used in, in creative ways on a weekly basis. So I, I can't say it's Joe Judge's fault uh, if we're talking coaching because he's only in his second season and he's produced a team that's pretty sound on special teams and pretty sound defensively with, with Patrick Graham leading them. It's ultimately just the fact that there, that there's ineffective play calling for a team that should be putting up a lot of points right now. I would say Joe Judge definitely deserves blame. That's where I'd push back a little bit. When you pump the football on the 39-yard line, that's true. <laughs> I mean, Joe Judge, Chris, we Joe, we saw this last year. Joe Judge likes to be very conservative, play it close yeah. to his best, and we saw we didn't really see it work for the Giants last year. He did that on a few different games, and there were and I always like I think about it from a coaching perspective. I'm like, look, you're trusting your defense, you're pinning them back, you know, deep into their their own zone. So yeah, 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 all that good stuff. But the bold are fortunate. I feel like I feel like football rewards the bold sometimes. And when you call that third down play with two go routes, outside releases, and then one in route from your slot. To me, that's saying we're going to go for it on fourth down. We're going to take this shot. Okay, it was overthrown. Fourth and three approaches. You're well into opponent territory, and you punt the freaking football in the third quarter in a tight game. I'm just not really for that, man. I mean, I, I want to see a little bit more aggression, and I know they're the comp, the the offense is an inspiring confidence. I get that. But Daniel Jones was cooking with a short passing game. So I think on third down there, you have to call a play that can at least possibly pick up that, or you take your shot. But if you do take that shot, then you do go for it on fourth down. That's not what ended up yeah. happening. And Joe Judge has done this several times, and it rarely works out, and it's starting to wear on me and wear on other fans as well. Yeah, absolutely. The, the football gods favor the bold. And also, NFL rules favor offenses. Like That is just the fact of life at the NFL right now. It's like, the deck is stacked for offenses and against defenses. Yeah. I, I think it might've been, uh, it was came up on ESPN today that basically the era of four down offense is here where if you are not, if it doesn't make sense at all for you to pick up a, go for the field goal and, yeah, shout out to Joe here with the uh, kick six in the Cardinals Jags game. <laughs> I don't know why you would attempt that. What was it, a sixty-eight yard field goal attempt? Well, our man Justin Tucker hit a sixty-six yarder to win a football game. So, I mean, Prater hit a sixty-yarder last week. It just didn't have all the leg on that one. Yeah, but yeah, if you don't need the three points, go for the first down because punting it, you're basically just giving the other offense a chance to beat you. Exactly. Exactly. Before we transition, I want to get a take on what is the feel of Evan Ingram right now, guys? Like this is this is a new low for Evan Ingram, and I feel bad for the kid because I, I believe he's a good. I believe he's a good man. I believe he's a good teammate. I believe he tries his ass off. I really, really do. 
but he's not a good football player. He's just not. He's more of an athlete than he is a football player at this point, and he can't get out of his own way. So what do the Giants do with a player like this who's literally getting booed as he comes on the field and cheered when he get comes off, which I don't love. I don't like that at all. It doesn't do anything for Evan Ingram's confidence, and you know the Giants want to implement Evan Ingram, and I think he's just one of those players that gets in his head and is going to make more mistakes when when uh, when the environment – suggests that he sucks and he's not that great of a football player, but booing him doesn't really do anything. But what do the giants do right now? You know, they're going to continue to use him, but do you think they attempt to try to find somebody like a trade partner? If, if they continue to lose football games here, do you think they just like Evan enough to where he's going to be around until his contract actually expires? I I think that's definitely a circumstance of somebody who needs a a new environment and is probably going to succeed in it, not succeed to like an all pro level, but perform well in another environment that is probably going to utilize him a lot better. You're mentioning the fact that they're booing him. I don't think you can really turn around from that. If you're coming onto the field and you're being booed, I don't know how you could feel good about yourself playing for an organization. If the fans hate you that much for the cumulative mistakes that you've made throughout your time on under your first contract. So they're probably going to not get much in return, but if you can get like a, a day three pick for, for Evan Ingram, which is probably the reality of what somebody's going to be willing to ship off for an unproductive injury prone, former first round tight end. I, I bet that there's teams out there that are looking for tight ends right now that are going to be wanting to make a playoff push. I, I know the team that we've always mentioned. I think we did last year, like the 49ers, they don't necessarily need a starting tight end right now, but you throw in Evan Ingram in the mix and you give up a late round pick, which they're, probably willing and able to do a guy like Kyle Shanahan is going to have a lot of a a lot of fun with a guy like that or you could send him to the Cardinals which I'm sure that they would love to have more offensive weapons a team that just wants an athletic guy that can make a play here or there is probably going to be willing to send some picks for it if you can get something instead of just letting his contract expire and this team is still losing football games by the trade deadline he does need to be moved yeah I, I would say right now moving Evan Ingram is the best for everyone involved uh Right now, the Giants are not using him correctly. You're like, they're you talk about all the stick routes to to the <laughs> sticks, <laughs> you to all the three to five yard crossing routes. Like they're not giving him a chance to use his athleticism. I don't blame him for the fumble or the. I guess it went down as a drop uh, in the fumble. I, I don't know what else he could have done. He had two hands on the ball. He had all the points of contact you could ask for short of growing extra arms. I'm not sure how he could have prevented that fumble because that was just a great play by that linebacker. You know, the other guys get paid, get paid too. So yeah, that's where I come down on that. And the drop, I I'm pretty sure that ball was tipped because he was was setting up to catch it at shoulder height. And then all of a sudden the ball's down, down around his ankles. It, it was tipped. It just seems like he, yeah, he can bad things of happen when he gets targeted. Exactly. And it, it's almost like a net negative when he's out there, which sucks yeah. to say, because like, I see what Evan Ingram can provide, yes. you know, on paper, it looks really sexy. It looks great. doesn't happen on the football field for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. And you put him out there, mistakes end up happening. And in this environment, like he's looking at an, at a second contract. What kind of contract is he going to get when he's getting two targets a game for an offense that at this point refuses to use him correctly. And for whatever reason, just maybe every reason bad things happen, you know, he's going to be lucky to get, you know, 
a second to third wave of free agency deal. So from his perspective, he probably wants to be elsewhere. Or if right. he doesn't want to be elsewhere, he probably should want to be elsewhere. And right. the Giants should try to get something because right now he's not going to get enough of a contract for them to net any kind of decent compensatory pick for him. Yeah, if I'm Evan Ingram and his agent, I'm pressing Gettleman to trade him because he needs to go somewhere and put up some stats so that he can sign a good contract come free agency when he's up for a new contract. Um, like because like he's going to stay the remainder of the season with one or two catches a game. That's nobody's going to be enticed to sign him to anything that's you know worthy of his his time and his you know like everything that he's put in. If he goes somewhere else, he could probably be relatively productive to a point where a, a tight end desperate team is going to pay him more than he's probably worth. But right now, he's not really worth a whole lot because he hasn't shown anything in the past couple seasons really. But um, Evan Ingram, I think, definitely remains one of the big, big question marks for what's going to happen. And maybe who's one of the first guys to go um, before we wrap though, guys, like, is there any other points that, that we want to wrap up with or, or closing thoughts that we want to take, take here? Well, I, I'm not sure, you know, talk about, you know, where the giants go from here. Uh, I like Nick's point, but taking it game by game on a game by game basis, you know, I think we are on the precipice of the team being forced to blow it up. They might not want to. I doubt they get rid of Joe Judge. You know, the Giants seem to really like him. He seems like a quote unquote Giants guy. You know, he kind of reminds me of a Tom Coughlin type coach. And I think that's the type of guy Giants ownership wants on the sidelines. But then, you know, if the Giants wind up with their natural pick being in the top 10, top five again, if they finish with like a three win record, I, I don't think Dave Gettleman is going to be making that pick. So is it Kevin Abrams? Do they look completely outside the, you know, do they actually go, go away from the giants family tree or the Patriots <laughs> and, family tree? Yeah, that, that too. <laughs> and then, you know, what happens with offensive coordinator? If things keep going the way they are, if the Giants just cannot score touchdowns and Graham Gano is their best offensive weapon, yeah, you know, Jason Garrett will probably be looking for a new job. Does Freddie Kitchen survive? Do they bring in Bill O'Brien? I still stand by that being a possibility. <laughs> I, I, I jokingly said that on Twitter and I got a, a good reaction from Giants fans. Some of them didn't realize it was a joke, but I swear to God that it's going to be something that is considered considering how well Alabama is playing right now as their, as their current offensive coordinator. That's, that's wild. And I can definitely see it as well. I mean, Bill O'Brien, he's always been a good offensive mind. I would like to imagine just that he's a little bit personnel choices. <laughs> yeah. Just do not let him make personnel choices. Exactly. I could I would imagine that his offense is a little bit more progressive than what, than what uh, Jason Garrett's doing. And the fact that he's in college, I, I sometimes feel like a lot of these college coordinators and, and people who had NFL experience in the past, they really go back to college and they kind of reinvent their wheel a little bit. So I'm hoping that he can he was able to do that and discover a few new things if he is ever considered for this job, which is way in the future right now. As of right now, Jason Garrett's the offensive coordinator. Firing him midseason doesn't seem like a giant thing. 
But I mean, we got John Mara, you know, over there in the press box, like tossing garbage cans on the ground. <laughs> so I, uh, I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> oh, that would have been so fun. I wonder if he like, you know, kicked it or hit it with his hand. Like, I'm really wondering, did he lower his shoulder, you know, and said, this is how you run the football. <laughs> like, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, but I, we, I think we should legitimately just keep Bill O'Brien on your mind, folks, because they're going to probably need a new GM and offensive coordinator so you can effectively hire him to do both. So just you know, <laughs> oh, keep, keep, keep that on your radar. <laughs> I think it's a good note to wrap us up on. We're not. This isn't doomsday yet. Understandably, 0-3 is, is not a good start, but it's time to reevaluate when you're 0-3. If we were 3-0, we'd probably be doing the same thing, but in a more positive light. We'll be back with a film breakdown previewing the um, next game for the Giants, which is coming up this Sunday. Uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening or tuning into this podcast. 